Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Well, decentralized finance, that's DeFi for you, has gotten a bad name. So have Web 3.0 and NFTs. Hacks galore still plague the industry. We're talking about $2 billion in the past year. And the recent fall of FTX, of course, has many calling it the Lehman Brothers of crypto. Believers that DeFi needs a hard reset. Can it? And what's the next phase of recovery? Well, we'll find out from James Gordon. He's partner at Digital Asset Lead at Oliver Wyman. James, thanks for joining us tonight. So if uh, 2021 is a year of cryptocurrency, 2022, hmm. uh, well, was a year of crypto collapse, I guess. Is crypto giving DeFi and blockchain a bad name? Thanks for having me. And certainly, whether you're speaking with friends or family or the C-suite of an institution, you're going to hear a pretty wide range of views on the digital assets ecosystem. Um, and you're right, the consumer losses have been very real, right, from the hacks you described to the collapse of valuations, and particularly where people have been taking on more risk than perhaps they realized in the pursuit of yield. Um, there have been genuine losses, and that has rippled through the ecosystem. They've been headline-grabbing and memorable. And yes, in a complex ecosystem, the pain felt in cryptocurrencies absolutely reflects on DeFi and Web3. Which, of course, then calls for a clearer definition. These are two different things, aren't they? Even though one tech is underpinned by the other. So explain to us what we're really talking about when we say institutionalized DeFi. What exactly does it encompass? Yes, I think that's a, that's a really important point. Right? The buildup of investment in cryptocurrencies has led to this consumer harm, but it's also driven maturing of the ecosystem. It has brought entrepreneurs and venture capital funding and, um, and developers, and they've built a, a much larger ecosystem now than just cryptocurrency. So when we talk about DeFi, we're talking about programmable elements that allow us to transact or transfer value between two parties in a way that is, is quite fundamentally different from how the financial system works today. We're talking about peer-to-peer uh, movement of value without the need for intermediaries. Obviously, when we start talking about institutional DeFi, really we're talking about the tokenization or a digital representation of traditional instruments, things we're familiar with today, leveraging that underlying technology that allows us to move value around in a efficient and elegant way. All right, James, let me get your thoughts on this one. The um, co-founder of Ethereum blockchain platform, Vitalin Buterin, recently said that uh, Singapore's ambition to become a hub uh, for digital assets might not work out because of uh, Singapore's skeptic approach towards uh, cryptocurrencies. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is an interesting one, and it's always uh, fun to go up against uh, Vitalik. Um, I think this is highlighting a, a tension. Right? I think what Singapore is trying to do is protect retail customers. Uh, there's clearly been consumer losses. There's easy ways to take on far more risk in the ecosystem than perhaps you realize. I and mean, what Singapore is doing is, is putting in protections that um, look to manage the exposure that retail consumers can take. Um, what Vitalik is arguing, however, is that while these cryptocurrencies are fundamental components of the underlying blockchain, the technology that powers this ecosystem, without the cryptocurrency that sits on top of Ethereum, we could never have the blockchain functioning. And so what Singapore is, is trying to do is navigate that tension, walk that balance between saying, we need to make sure that we protect consumers from the risks that are inherent in some of these cryptocurrencies, but also we want to foster innovation on top of the very technology that requires these, these cryptocurrencies. 
I think Vitalik is trying to argue that balance needs to be found um, and that tension is something we'll have to navigate in the future. So let's talk about the approach that Singapore is taking where it is encouraging innovation in blockchain and decentralized finance. What is the way ahead here? What can we expect in the coming year or two? So I think the, the next wave of evolution for the ecosystem is the involvement of institutions. And here what we're really talking about is a, um, a best of both worlds situation. Right? There's um, some wonderful characteristics of the technology that underpins digital assets. And there's a huge amount of learned um, experience and risk management and governance and safeguards in the existing financial services uh, system. And where the ecosystem is going or, or hopefully going is to bring those two things together. Um, and Singapore has been at the forefront of some of those experiments that are looking to leverage those DeFi protocols whilst um, maintaining the stability that comes with the, the traditional um, financial services. James, tell us more about your uh, report, the Institutional DeFi, the next generation of finance. What is this all about? So this is really um, uh, an exploration of what it means to bring together tokenization of real-world assets. So let's, let's take something like bonds or deposits, things that are familiar instruments within the existing financial ecosystem, um, and transact those or um, allow for services um, built on public blockchains using um, open and transparent DeFi protocols. Uh, and we can talk about those in more detail if helpful. Um, and do so whilst applying appropriate safeguards. So here we're really talking about ensuring that there's uh, appropriate controls and standards, that we have investor protection, financial stability. Essentially, all the things that, to go back to your, your first comment about the volatility in the ecosystem and the challenges that have been seen on the cryptocurrency side, how do we mitigate all of those, leverage the underlying opportunity whilst maintaining um, stability? Of course, Singapore is going deeper into this space. We've had projects on this as well. Project Guardian being one of them, uh, which aims to test the feasibility of applications in asset tokenization and DeFi. But what does all of this mean for the average person in the street? Yeah, good question. So I think Project Guardian is really interesting. So this is an umbrella initiative by the MAS, the, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, with a number of industry partners. And, and the first pilot that was announced a month or so ago, was with JP Morgan, DDBS, SDI. These are well-known, named financial institutions. I'm looking at how they can move value, in this case, tokenized deposits, so your your cash that you're holding with the, the bank, on a public blockchain. And what's really exciting there is they're trying to solve for identity on the blockchain. And so identity is something that's commonly understood within a banking context. You go in, you provide identity that you are indeed a human and you are you. You open an account and you can transact. On the blockchain, it's quite different. There's um, anonymity in wallets. I can see the transactions, but I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. And what Project Guardian is trying to do is solve for that, that challenge of identity around um, the use of DeFi for institutions. Um, and they put in place a, a structure that allows them to Okay. sort of get around that challenge. So, James, uh, what would be your, your, your outlook then for DeFi and how will the ecosystem evolve? So, I think the underlying technology has evolved sufficiently or matured sufficiently such that it is bringing sufficient utility value that DeFi is here to stay. The efficiency gains, the simplicity of being able to transact atomically um, and peer-to-peer uh, it is highly compelling for the fundamental building blocks of our financial system. And for me, it's a question of timing. 
Like the sentiment, the losses, the challenges have changed the risk posture of participants. Um, and the question is going to be how particularly institutions adapt and evolve and take advantage of the tech. Um, but it's a, it's a when, not if. You talked about risk posture. Investors will be assessing this space as well. What's your advice to them? That is a good question, and I'm absolutely not giving financial advice. <laughs> um, but this is, this is a, an interesting space that's evolving quickly, and the scope of propositions, uh, services, and instruments is evolving quickly. If we look at downloads of key Web3 libraries, we can see that the ecosystem is building and new things are coming online all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I see this as, a, as a, a, a watch and wait. There's absolutely opportunities for investors, but you need to understand the risk you're taking on. All right, James, thank you very much for that. James Gordon is a partner and digital asset lead at Oliver Wyman, joining us here on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.